Uh, today I'm here with Will Graham. Uh, hiya, Will. Hi, Sam, and everyone. Brilliant. Um, we're here to talk about the theme of loving one another. Mm. And it's a, it's a massive theme, really. I mean, there's, there's lots that could be said. And so we'll see, see where we end up. But uh, first, Will, tell us, tell us just a little bit about yourself, if you could. Okay, um, I'm Will. I have been involved in TCC Rush Home um, for a number of years, since about 2012, when my wife Charlotte and I got married. Um, we've got three kids, uh, Cameron and Millie, Cameron's eight and Millie's five, um, and Teddy, who uh, is just three months old, who was born in the middle of lockdown, uh, much like your Adley just a few weeks later. Um, and uh, yeah, we're having a great time. Uh, kind of now that we're outnumbered as parents, uh, it, it um, is a, a steep learning curve once again, um, yeah. but a really joyful one and one that we know uh, God is, is using to teach us more about him and is a real privilege um, to be their parents. I um, am a primary school teacher. I teach year six um, to a school in, in uh, Longsight in Manchester. Um, I love what I do. I do that full time. Um, and uh, obviously I'm currently on my summer break uh, having a lovely time courtesy of my in-laws caravan down at the Cotswolds uh, and enjoying some far finer weather than uh, we normally get at home and uh, a bit of outdoor space too so uh, I think that's about it um, anything else you want to know Sam? I th lots more but uh, we'll leave it there, <laughs> we'll leave it there um, are you just yeah. getting used to uh, saying three kids? Uh, no, it's rolled off the tongue quite well because I suppose, you know, we, we had a long time to prepare for it with Teddy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, we have quite a unique family situation that, that may, may come through later on mm. um, in terms of how we came about to be parents. But um, yeah, we, we love it and uh, it's a real uh, joy and privilege as well as a, a, you know, a sanctifying work of God, as you know, uh, full well <laughs> in our lives. Mm. Um, Fantastic. A real joy, for sure. Oh, glorious. Um, and I can remember, like, I believe we first met at uh, my predecessor's house over a meal. Yes. And just for, for, for my part, it was we were exploring the possibility of coming to, uh, to Manchester and joining TCC. And um, I remember sitting down with you and Charlie, uh, who are congregation leaders at one TCC church plant, and Jane and Paul Roper, who were uh, TCC congregation leaders at another of the, of the TCC, uh, TCC church plants. And you'll be embarrassed by this, but I can just remember thinking, you know, just listening to you guys talk and your passion for Jesus and what you were, you were doing at TCC and just thinking, I've got to be a part of this church. <laughs> uh, and uh, we've not regretted it at all. And for Suan and I, we've just learned so much. Uh, being at TCC, but particularly being alongside you guys and, and serving and loving Jesus along you guys. So, alongside you guys. So, um, yeah, that, that's embarrassing you there, um, but just wonderful, wonderful to know. Right, we, we put on a good show for an A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, well, so let's get into things. So, you know, the whole Bible's been described as a, as a love story, mm. but. Uh, I'll just let me just pick a few verses to get us going just mm -hmm. on the theme of loving one another in the church and uh, having loving one another as a, as a central feature of uh, church planting mm. and church plants and, and Jesus says this in John 13 a new command I give you 
love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Well, Will, we live in a, in a world that says love is love. Um, but if we're honest, uh, without, you know, so many don't really have a clue as to what love really is. And it's easy to say or to sing, I love you. And I hear, you know, musicians or singers sort of saying, I love you to the millions of fans, uh, many of whom they've never met before. But, you know, what, what is love for us Christians? I think that's probably a good place to start. Yeah. Nice, uh, nice light question to kick things <laughs> yeah. off. <laughs> Take a lifetime to explore. Um, well, clearly we can use the word love in, in lots of different ways. And one of, the, one of the challenges that we have in the English language is that we use love in many different contexts. So I could say um, to you that I, I love Charlie, my wife. Um, I love Cam and Millie and Teddy, my kids. Um, I love my job. Um, Mate, you, you're a, a, a really good friend who uh, has helped me so much in the Lord. So I can say I love you. Um, I love curry. I love playing the bass. Uh, I love all sorts of things. And of course, if, if they all mean the same thing, then we have quite a bit of trouble. Um, particularly if I love, you know, my wife as much as I love curry. Or I, no, that should definitely be the other way around. <laughs> of course. Um, and so one of, one, one of the really helpful places to start, perhaps, is to look at some of the different ways that love is described in uh, the Old Testament Greek. Um, because there are actually four different words in the Greek, as I'm sure lots of people will know, this is, this is nothing new to people, um, that describe love. So you have uh, eros, which is the kind of sensual, um, romantic love, um, you know, particularly that you find in the book of the Song of Solomon between the, the man and the wife. Um, you have storge, which is uh, that, that familial love, perhaps, that um, might best describe Ruth and Naomi in the book of Ruth. You have philea, um, which is brotherly love, you know, fam family love. Um, and there are some ex exhortations to, to love one another in this way in the church, in the Bible. For example, uh, Romans 12.10, you know, let brotherly love continue. Mm. Um, but... When we're looking at the command to love one another, the, the word used here is agape. Agape. And, uh, you know, from what I understand, this wasn't um, a widely used term, although it wasn't kind of invented by the early Christians. Uh, you know, it was just one of, of these four words used in, uh, to describe love uh, in ancient Greek. But it is the term that is used most frequently um, in the New Testament. And indeed, it's the term used in the verse that you quoted when Jesus says, love one another. This is his commandment to us, to agape mm. one another. Uh, so we want to understand what, what this type of love is. We want to get to know more about it. Um, and I'd suggest that two good places to start would be 1 Corinthians 13, that famous chapter about love in which uh, it describes the characteristics of this agape love and uh, i'm sure we'll come back to that later and um, but also 1 john 4 verse 8 um the crux of which is is this that if we want to love with agape love um then we need to go back to the nature and work of god like he is our starting point our midpoint our end point when we come to thinking about what does this kind of love look like because as we know john says god is agape God is this type of love. Um, 
you look at 1 Corinthians 13 again, for example, we can see that where it says love is patient, love is kind, um, we could replace each of those times that it says love, we could replace that with God, with, with Jesus. That is who he is. That is what he is like. And so to define love in the biblical sense, um, this, this might seem a bit of a cop out to, to try and answer it quickly. In many ways, I'm just trying to set a foundation to understand that this is, it takes a lifetime's work. Um, but, but God must be the foundation. The, the nature and character of God must be our foundation for understanding what Christian love looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and not only the foundation, but the walls, the, the ceiling, the doors, the windows, the fixtures and fittings, like the whole architecture of our love has to be defined by who is God? Mm-hmm. What's he like? How does he love? Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these different passages that we mentioned really help us to, to understand this. So, so that might be where I start with what is love. Um, mm. I think if, if I could, um, if I could perhaps try, I can't possibly hope to succeed in this, but if I could try to give, um, you know, a little catchy definition of agape, I would say um, that agape is the type of love that is, is not dependent upon the loveliness of the beloved. Mm. Instead, it's dependent entirely upon the character and nature of the one who is loving. Mm. Um, and, and that is why we get wonderful verses in the Bible that say, you know, for example, Romans 5, 8, but while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Mm. You know, while, while we were not lovely in, <laughs> you know, in any way, God loved us. Mm. Um, and so agape, yeah, just, just, is totally dependent upon the character of the lover um, and not the performance of the of the one being loved mm. so that might be a good place for us to start that's a, yeah, a wonderful place to start and i like that because this, this as christians were wanting to say that there's a weightiness to this word isn't there it's, it's not just something that you can and um, you know which well, we can begin to start talking about it in a, in a conversation like this and you know begin to to lay some some groundwork there but it, it's a weighty word it's a word that requires um time and and thought and yeah so it, you know great encouragement there to to go back to the scriptures yeah. and um you know so 1 corinthians 13 first john some places like that Absolutely, absolutely. Let me, let me read this from um, Bonhoeffer as well in the Cost of Discipleship because I read this this morning and um, oh, great. it was, it was um, yeah, I just felt encapsulated everything I've been trying to say um, in a much better way than I can uh, ever <laughs> say it really. Um, again, when we think about agape being the sort of love that is dependent upon the lover, mm. not, the, not the performance of the one being loved and Bonhoeffer says this the Christian must treat his enemy even as his brother and requite his hostility with love his behavior and this this can really help to shape what we uh, what we think about how we love as a church his behavior must be determined not by how others treat him but by the treatment he himself receives from Jesus it has only one source and that is the will of Jesus mm. um, and I think again if you know if we are to understand what does this exhortation to to love one another to agape one another uh, what does it look like well it looks like us understanding first and foremost 
the way that we have been loved by Jesus mm. and then living and loving out of the overflow of that in the same way that we have first received it from him. Oh, that's so cool. I heard this today, or I read this today, which I thought was cool as well. It said, uh, a Christian theologian who said, love is like an echo. It returns what it receives. Mm. That was a great... Yeah, that's brilliant. So again, so there's this weightiness to love and, and you're, you're wanting to say, actually the, the Christian vision for love actually begins with the God that we worship, the God mm. who is love. Um, shall we talk a little bit more about that and about what, what it means that God is love? Mm. Uh, and because obviously the God that we worship is Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, mm. and loving one another. Um, is there anything that you might want to say about that? Um, I suppose the one of the great joys of being... Uh, trinitarian in our theology is that we can believe in a god who has existed before he created anything and was able to love sacrificially mm. um, you know that the the father loved the son yeah. and the spirit and the spirit loved the father and the son and the son loved the father and the spirit mm. um, and you have this this wonderful um truth of a, of a, a an eternal God who is not self-serving and mm. um, but for eternity uh, has been giving of himself um, with the with the uh, the persons of the Trinity um, and <laughs> cool. what would you say to that I uh, oh well I mean I think that, that that's that's glorious and I, I love the fact that um, as, as Trinitarians you know we we worship the living God who is uh, what, what one for him. Lo love is not alien to him. Like mm. he doesn't have to like, he doesn't create and then has to learn how to love mm. the other. Because there's rightly, as you say, within, within the Godhead, the, 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 the three persons have been loving um, one another. Um, I think that says something as well to the motives for creation as well, right? It's like, mm -hmm. if you've got a God who is eternally content in, in the love, you know, b between the three persons, and um, then this, creation isn't something that is like, he, he needs mm. in order God. to be loved. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, that, that could be true of, say, a, a single person God. Um, mm. It's not obvious, and Mike Reeves makes this point, I think, in The Good God. It's not obvious um, that a single person God would create out of love because he's never loved before yeah. and never had anyone to love. Whereas the God that we worship is love and always has been love. And so yeah. creates almost as an overflow of that love as opposed to needing to be yeah. loved. Served. Yeah, so he creates to, to invite into that love, doesn't right. he? Rather than to... Um, receive something that he feels deficient in um mm. absolutely he creates to to invite us in um, which we is <laughs> pretty, pretty good place for us to start isn't it absolutely absolutely um yeah so i want to talk a little bit more about kind of some of these motives to mm. love so we, we've done a, like a bit of theological groundwork there and, and saying look we've got to start with scripture We've got to start with this vision of this God who is love and clearly there's so much more that could be said there right but yeah. kind of these mo motives for for love 
Mm. Uh, do you want to talk us through some of those? Yeah, I was, I was reflecting on this a little bit because um, I remember Charlie and I gave this talk together um, at the last week and obviously we were able to do it in, in person there and she she took this and I, I think the phrase she used is like, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you turn up to a Christian leadership training day and if you're talking about love, it's kind of like teaching your grandma to suck eggs. Um, you know, you're, you're not going over anything new, hopefully, here. Um, and I was reflecting on this and I thought, you know, asking the question, well, why love? You know, why love one another? It's a bit like um, asking the question, well, why eat? You know, we kind of, we actually, hopefully, you know, if, if we're a, a, a healthy and, and functioning church, then we're not thinking about it in the same way that you don't think about eating. You just do it. Um, you know, however, um, I was also thinking that um, in, in, as part of my teaching job in year six, I have to, I teach in quite a lot of detail, the, the kind of inner workings of the digestive system, um, which as you can imagine, the kids love and we do like, <laughs> practical experiments where we, you know send food in one end and it comes out the other and all of that and um actually learning about the the inner workings of uh, our digestive system encouraged me certainly to want to eat differently mm. um and actually i was thinking a bit like this you know with as we explore the 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 nature of god and the character of god um and the commands to love one another and the effects of being obedient to that command actually um you know we we probably don't need to encourage people on here um that, that loving one another is a good idea um in the same way that you don't need to encourage people that eating is a good idea but actually it can it can still shape and change the way that you um that you want to love you mm -hmm. know to, to shape and change the way that you um you understand that love in the same way that you might have been eating uh, not that healthily for quite a long time and you get a fresh appreciation of what's happening and, and suddenly you want to um, you want to fill your body with good things in the same way that we might want to love in a good way. Um, really helpful, yeah. So, yeah, when, when we unpack um, what this kind of love achieves, um, how it brings God glory and it draws people to him um, and how it helps us with our vision of an eternal future together with Jesus, then I think we will actually desire to love one another more uh, and in a more Christ-like way. Mm. Um, so why love? Okay, that was a bit of a preamble to why love. Well, I suppose um, a good place to start really um, is one that we've already covered upon. So um, I won't spend too long on it, although it is the most important one, and that, that's to do with our theology of God. Um, we, we always want to be teaching both with our words and with our action as a church, that God is love. Mm. And we're doing that, looking inwardly towards one another. We're doing that with a view to uh, the discipleship of believers, um, who we, we always want to be encouraging people uh, to know, uh, and not just to know here, but to know here, um, that God is love. Um, and that, that has to be a place where we start. Mm. Um, you know that, that actually our theology is shaped by our understanding of who God is mm. um, and that, that mere words are not just then enough uh, not to say well God is love and then not to love our neighbour in return mm. um, not to love our, our church um, we, we want the way that we love one another to imperfectly of course it's not perfect yet but we still we desire um, and we can pray 
for the Spirit's help, that the way that we love one another would actually uh, be an outpouring of our understanding of who God is. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really important place to start. Um, from there, we could also leap into just the, the, the numerous commands in the Bible to love one another. We want to know why should we love one another as a church? Well, it, it's commanded in so many places, isn't it? Uh, you, you quoted from, from John 13, um, as, as we started, you know, Jesus says to his disciples at the, at the Last Supper, a new command I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this will all people know that you're my disciples. Um, read all of 1 John, <laughs> uh, you know, that's a great place to go as well. I picked out 1 John 4, 7 to 8. Um, Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Mm. Um, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Um, and within that command, we get a promise as well. You know, as, as we love one another, we know God more. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an incredible thing to consider. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, of course, John says also that the reverse is true. That if, if we don't love one another, then, then he goes as far as to say we don't know God. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think given everything that we've said about um, the way that we want to love one another, being bound up in the character of God, if we're not loving one another, then we, it's clear. It's, it's just clear that we don't know who God is. Mm -hmm. And there's no outpouring of uh, our knowledge of that and our love for him, you know, seen visibly outwards. Mm. Um, and we'll pick up more on that maybe in the next video as well. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've got loads more. Um, let me just read a couple more. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, let all that you do be done in love. Mm. Um, 1 John 4, 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love each other. Uh, I'll finish with Colossians 3, 14. Uh, Above all these, put on love, which binds everything together hmm. in perfect unity. Um, there are many more. We could, we could take up all our time oh, yeah. um, just on the biblical commands to love one another. Um, but it's there. It's there to be read. And it's clear that it's an exhortation that's consistent throughout scripture uh, for us as a church. Oh, nice. And, and we'd encourage people, wouldn't we, just to, to, to be you know, getting on Bible Gateway, typing in that phrase, love one another, or just even the word love and just reading through and just asking, you know, what, what's, the, what's this particular verse teaching me about, mm. about the call to love one another? Let's talk about evangelism. Mm. Um, and the role of loving one another in evangelism perhaps mm. some people don't don't think of those as being intertwined but what would you say to to that let me um let, let me read uh, a little story um from history and uh, and give an example from uh, from our own experience as well but um there's a guy called Aristide, uh, Aristides, sorry. Um, now there are a couple of Aristides <laughs> in history. Uh, the one that we're interested in right now is Aristides the Athenian, uh, writing in the second century um, AD. Um, he was a, a Greek philosopher, lived in Athens. Um, he wasn't a Christian and he converted to Christianity. Um, mm. And at some point after his conversion, he wrote um, an apologetic, um, many people believe it was sent to the to the Emperor Hadrian, although although we're not entirely sure who the recipient was for it. Um, and he he kind of outlines 
the the nature and character of different religions um, within the, the the emperor's empire um, and when he gets to Christianity he says this um, but the Christians O king when they went about and made search have found the truth and then he goes on to describe what he has witnessed among uh, the early church he says if there is any among them who is poor and needy and if they have no spare food then they fast two or three days in order to supply the needy their lack of food they observe the precepts of their messiah with much care every morning and every hour they give thanks and praise to god for his loving kindness towards them um, and then he he converted um, at some point before he he wrote this apologetic but it's clear how much he was shaped um by what he witnessed in uh, the christians um giving thanks to god for his love for them it's clear that he was very shaped by that um but i'd argue given the, the structure of of his uh, of his letter that perhaps what he actually witnessed first was the way that the church loved one another sacrificially I mean, he goes as far to say that, that they would fast two or three days if they didn't have the means to feed someone so that the poor and needy might be fed among them. Um, and indeed, many people have said that it is, um, you know, this kind of sacrificial love um, that, that helped Christianity to spread uh, so much in this early time. Um, and, you know, many contemporary historians don't describe it in that way. They say, you know, the the poor and the needy and the marginalized found a place that they didn't find anywhere else and um, to me that's another way of saying the same thing the church was loving sacrificially yeah. and people noticed and were drawn to it um, from our own experience then um, i think i've seen uh, that love and the the teaching of the gospel go hand in hand in evangelism you know we we've seen in tcc uh, people drawn into the community um, often first by what they've seen mm. and then they hear the good news and and receive it mm. um, and in in so many testimonies of baptism in tcc you know people have said you know i i lived uh, in a shared asylum seeker house with so and so uh, and they invited me to church and i wasn't interested but i went along and i saw the love and care that people had for one another even people vastly different from each other and i was interested and it's at that point that they uh, hear and receive the good news of course we can't stop at loving one another we can't stop at uh, someone only seeing the way that we love one another otherwise it's just a big sign pointing inward to ourselves sure. uh, but the way that we love one another we always want to say well this is because of the love that we've received from Jesus, our King, from from our gods, come and know Him. You know, come and know Him and be changed. Um, so I think I think loving one another is is key in evangelism. You know, the world doesn't have their Bibles open mm. by and large. You know, what the world has is the church, and they can see the church. Mm. Um, and we pray that they would see the church and we pray that as they see the church loving one another they would see the kind of god who um, is the source of this love the perfect source of this love um, in the world glorious just, just on that um that, that's really really helpful and i think it's um 
I guess, I don't know if this was your kind of culture, but I, um, uh, I guess in, in my life, there's, there's been a lot of encouragement of, to, towards like one-to-one evangelism and kind of, you know, and, and obviously that is a, there's a place for that in the church and we should all be doing evangelism mm. with those around us. Um, but actually we can't be lone ranger evangelists, right? There's got to be this, there's got to be a point in which we bring those whom we're sharing the gospel with mm-hmm. into, uh, to, to observe, to see the gospel played out in the context of church life. And that, that may be just as simple as saying, you know, look, I'm uh, coming to church this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I found that quite helpful and encouraging that we're not alone in evangelism it's it's not yeah. my yeah. job alone but actually i need my church family uh in in the work of evangelism and i, w- I want people to see that what i'm saying is lived out uh in in real life mm, absolutely, absolutely. Lord, a little book recommendation there like a book by a guy called rodney stark uh I think it's the the rise of Christianity. We just he just basically asked the question like how how can this thing, this movement that started with a handful of people, uh, take over the Roman Empire in yeah. centuries? And he uh, kind of looks at uh, numerous things that, um, uh, but numerous angles of that. But one is is the way in which the church loved one another in particular, mm. or and so even that chapter alone is worth worth a read so anyone kind of watching this uh, there's a little book recommendation there um, will discipleship <laughs> discipleship and sanctification um maybe is is uh, what we were thinking about next wasn't it um ephesians 4 verse 1 to 3 says walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you were called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace um now as i read that i sit there thinking well why would call why would paul call us to walk with patience if he didn't assume uh that as a church we would regularly provoke one another to impatience (laughs) and it's kind of just a given isn't it um likewise why would paul call us to to bear with one another in love if at times we're not going to become burdensome uh, to one another um the the new testament makes no bones of the fact that that committing to a church fellowship is costly uh, it doesn't hide that in any way shape or form there are of course uh, myriad benefits to being a part of the church community as as we've kind of seen already and this drew many people in um but the 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 new testament writers don't don't leave it there they don't leave it with the obvious uh physical material benefits um they they also are very realistic about the the cost of walking closely with a bunch of people who uh often we have no other reason to walk with um you know unless your church is very 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 homogenous uh, you're going to find very quickly that you're rubbing shoulders with people who are very different to you mm. uh, and before too long many of those people will start rubbing you up the, the wrong way um kind of a, a brilliant a brilliant book to read on this is the screw tape letters isn't it as you see 
um, C.S. Lewis imagining that, that one of the, the devil's designs is to just make people begin to detest uh, you know the other people in the church and actually the, you know again the new testament writers don't don't suggest that that will never be the, the case that there'll be no difficulty um but they also paint a wonderful picture of how this is a part of our discipleship um that actually that, that god uses this to destroy our idol of self mm. and fix our eyes on on him um, let me let me give you an example from my own life that i want to compare it to um in many ways and I, I was a part of a discipleship group a while back you know a bunch of single guys some of whom were in relationships some of whom um had recently got married mm. um, and i remember this one guy saying um about three four months after he got married he said uh, i thought i was a pretty great guy until i got married and i remember at the time thinking you know <laughs> well that won't be me i'm gonna be a great <laughs> husband i hope you know um and for me i sat there you know thinking i was a pretty great guy pretty patient pretty kind you know uh, fairly sacrificial um and then i got married and i still thought i was pretty good and <laughs> pretty patient and kind and uh, then i became a parent <laughs> and that illusion was completely shattered <laughs> almost overnight um and for the longest time i sat there you know kind of almost railing against god and saying you know this parenting thing is really hard um you know w what have you done here why is it proving so hard um, and and you know lots of people listening will, will know our context and some of the challenges that we've we've faced as well as the joys um, and what became clear to charlotte and i about a year ago you know we were three years <laughs> slow to get there but we praise god that he he got us to that point was that um it's it's easy to believe that you're a patient a kind a godly a christ-like person um when you live a pretty charmed life um but when those pressures start to come that mean you, you are going to have to give up yourself your own ideas of uh, a good life and when you're going to have to start letting things go that are really precious to you but that are not jesus himself then he begins to refine you and, and prune you and 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 for charlotte and i we praise god that he's using parenting to do this um and in many ways th this is god's design for the church i mean in peter he says you know together you are being built together to become a a, a temple you are living stones being built together to become a temple um, we can't do our discipleship outside of church mm. we we can't begin to entertain this idea um, that somehow we can love Jesus um, at our own pace, in our own comfortable homes, in the way that we want. Actually, a, a part of God's design for us to grow 
in sacrificial Christ-likeness mm. is a local church for us to join mm. and is joining that church and letting God peel away at some of the idols that we construct. Mm. Letting God do that pruning work <laughs> of, of all these things that we thought were so important mm. um, and that we're actually replacing him. Um, so, so, you know, we want individually to grow in Christ-likeness and we want our communities to grow in Christ-likeness. And actually in both of those, God uses the community mm. as a key part of that. Mm. God uses the community as a key part of that refining, sanctifying, discipling process. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I'd say... Uh really a glorious vision of church isn't it mm. sacrificial yeah. loving one another and i guess um just as you were speaking i was thinking you know we grow in love as primarily as we receive the love of god there's also that dimension in church life that we we grow in love as we receive the love of, of one another mm. imagine that church say we're say we're a church plant of 30 40 or 50 Still imagine if we had that vision of each each one of us please mm. sacrificially loving one another with the love of Christ. That's every single person, say in a church of fifty, receiving forty-nine people's <laughs> sacrificial deep. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that's gonna grow you as a lover, right? Mm. As a as a man or a woman of, of love. Mm. Hmm. Absolutely. Um wonderful. Sorry, go on. No, go no, on. Please, after you. Um, I think I, I was going to say, in many ways, you could think you could think of marriage in the same way. You know, mm. if, if you turn up to a marriage trying to watch your own back, mm. uh, you end up with two people watching their own back. Right. You know, um, and in many ways, you know, it's the same for the church. Like you say, if you if if you walk into a church of fifty, only you know in in self-preservation mode mm. um then you actually deny yourself the chance to receive the sacrificial love of 49 other people you know it's god's economics isn't it you give sacrificially of yourself and you receive yeah. <laughs> 49 times what you give um you know it, which is a wonderful wonderful encouragement um, and of course it's costly it, it's very costly mm. um, but it's it's so wonderful at the same time glorious and i think right there is one of the just the, the great distinctives between the what christians mean when we say love and what say that that you know singer uh you know on a stage kind of just saying oh i love you all to people mm. who don't know i think the, the difference we're saying there's a there's a, there's a cost to it it's not just something we throw out there without any meaning or action it's mm. not a word it's something that's done and it's costly and i'm yeah. thinking again 1 john three sixteen. this is how we know what love is jesus christ laid down his life for us mm. it's sacrificial and yet of course we follow the crucified yet risen savior it says we lay our lives down for one another in, in in dying for one another that we 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 get life resurrection life the resurrection life of the spirit Mm. Absolutely. Well, 
just on that because maybe a little segue there to kind of thinking about the new creation future and mm -hmm. um, we'll no, we kind of know that life of the spirit in all its fullness which we get a glimpse of now in the church any, mm -hmm. any just final comments yeah i just i just encourage people to 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 read revelation particularly revelation 7 and revelation 14 although of course not exclusively um we want to be reading reading all of it um just as a little aside on that i remember someone saying you know we love revelation 5 and we love revelation 7 and we tend to miss out revelation 6 <laughs> in the middle um and uh, yeah this that's just a reminder that that this is costly you know the future is glorious and the present is costly but it, the the cost as, as paul says is far outweighed by the future hope that we have um i suppose i i would just say you know revelation 7 and revelation 14 in particular remind us that we will be joined with christ as a bride to a groom forever yeah um you know it, it's not like we live this life and then we get the same equivalent um afterwards with christ no we live this life and then we get eternity yeah. um with christ and it is such a glorious picture that is painted um but it's an eternity that we spend together yes you know we, we don't we don't go to be with him to indulge you know our own personal individual relationship with him you know we go together yeah. To, to join with the universal church throughout time and history uh, all over the world and um, mm. who he's called to himself and that will be people from every nation and tribe and tongue there is going to be the most incredible diversity yeah. there um, and um, I suppose I, I was thinking of it like this um, we want church to be a trailer for the film mm. you know you you watch a trailer and the trailer is not the be all and end all the trailer is just a tiny snapshot of a film where where the trailer is is naff <laughs> you don't want the film um, but where the trailer whets your appetite you're not satisfied with the trailer in and of itself you want to see the whole thing um, and and we really want to pray that the way that the church loves one another will be a trailer for the real thing, oh. will be a trailer for the film. Um, and uh, yeah, I, it's, it, I just encourage people to keep remembering that future glory. Um, mm. to, to put it in a slightly more humorous way as well, um, I remember at, at the church I grew up in, in, in Derby, they had a little phrase, um, if you don't like the person next to you, get over it because you're going to be next to them forever <laughs> that, that was their you know their fun little way of uh, of exhorting us to to love one another sacrificially um you know and to bear with one another as as uh, paul says mm. oh mate that's just glorious um great place to end there and with that future vision of not indulgence but a future where we get to love one another mm. properly um but church life and the church plants that we're involved with being a little snapshot of that of that new creation i'll, I'll end just with this little quote that i found 
uh, today. And, and it, the guy said this, a greater hell I would not wish any man than to live and not love the beloved of God. I just mm. thought it was powerful. What a you know, privilege it is to love yeah. one another with the love that we've received from Jesus. Well, yeah. thanks for tuning in and thanks, Will. Uh, we'll follow this up with a second video. Do tune in for that another time. Thanks. Thank you.